You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 723 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday evening into Tuesday morning. And a discussion on this podcast about what what became a 129 to 112 loss in Philadelphia for the Hawks, a game that was closer than that for most of the way, including the fact that the Hawks actually led this game. Yes, they led this game in the fourth quarter and lost by 17 points. So lots of highs, lots of lows, and the end result was one that wasn't too far off of the expectation baseline in this spot. The Hawks were nine-point underdogs in Philadelphia, even without Ben Simmons in the lineup. Philadelphia entered this game at 26-2 and at home this season. They have just been a just a different team at home than they are on the road where they were 9-20. and it's about, the, it's about the biggest split that you'll ever see, honestly, in the modern NBA, about um, where, where home court actually means a little bit less than it used to mean. Just a crazy split there. But Philadelphia has just been incredible at home, and they were very good at times in this game. The Hawks were also very good at times in this game. But they dug a massive hole, had to use a lot of energy to get out of it, and then uh, kind of let down in the fourth quarter. Uh, coming into the game, the Hawks had not won three games in a row all year. That now continues, of course, but the Hawks only won two games in a row on two different occasions. Um, and uh, obviously they came into this game winning two in a row, and they actually had some pretty good success against Philadelphia in the last couple of years. They split this year at home with Philly, and uh, Trey Young absolutely torched the Sixers the last time uh, back in Atlanta. I was in the building for that one. That was definitely a fun game. And the Hawks had the... Had the um, health advantage as well with Simmons out for Philly. There was a little bit of surprise, at least at my end, that Tobias Harris played in this game for the Sixers. He's, of course, their third or fourth best player. Um, he was listed as doubtful originally, was promoted to questionable, and then ended up playing. Looked to be uh, relatively healthy, did not play all that well um, for portions of this game. It still had 25 points, so it wasn't like he uh, was a non-factor. And, of course, the Sixers are not super deep, so that um, that inclusion ended up probably helping Philadelphia quite a bit. But still without Simmons, the Hawks were expected to, com- to compete a little bit more, and they did that for the most part, even though they lost by 17 points. So we'll dive in here, as we always do on the podcast. In the early going, the Hawks actually scored first on a three by Dwayne, by Dwayne Debman on the first possession, but from there it was a 14-2 run by Philadelphia that prompted a timeout from Lloyd Pierce. They came out of the, out of the timeout with actually the small ball lineup of the, of the, five, of the five young guys with John Collins at center. Um, and also there was an immediate three-point play by Joel Embiid there. So from from 3 nothing Hawks to 17-5 Sixers, so a 17-2 run by Philadelphia. Um, kind of put the Hawks behind the eight ball for most of the way. They had some foul trouble as well. Cam Reddish had two fouls in the first two minutes of play that he came in after he after he, after he subbed in. Devin had had two fouls as well in the first quarter. They had to go um, small at times. They also went with Travion Graham at the four for a brief period with Bruno Fernando at center late in the first quarter. And the Hawks trailed by as many as 21 points in the first quarter. In fact, in the first 10 minutes or so of this game, the Sixers were scoring 1.64 points per, per possession, which is just outrageously good. They had an 88% true shooting. That's not a misprint. 88% for the first 10 minutes of this game. And Embiid was dominating from the outset with 13 points in his first seven minutes. The Hawks did recover nicely from there, um, scoring six points in a row, including an above-the-break three by Bruno Fernando. That was a fun moment for the Hawks in this game to cut things down, but still trailed by 17 at the end of the first quarter. And the defense, I will say editorially, the defense was not quite as bad as the numbers indicated. That was one of those times where obviously the defense was, was a problem in the first quarter, but Philly did make a lot of shots that they don't often make in that first quarter. 
Still, it was the highest scoring first quarter of the season for the Sixers, and it also tied for the highest scoring quarter of the entire season. Um, so that kind of tells you about this team. It's not exactly the most explosive offensive unit. To do that against the Hawks was not exactly the greatest look in the world for Atlanta. And then offensively, it was also kind of a slog for the Hawks. Only three assists in the first quarter, and they shot the ball uh, pretty poorly before uh, turning it up a little bit later on. Um, in the second period, the Hawks went to uh, Vince Carter for his one stint of the game. He actually only played, in, uh, I believe, six minutes. Yes, six minutes in the, in the entire game, and that was uh, all confined to the first half of this contest. Um, there was some injury concern with Cam Reddish. He was actually being evaluated by Chelsea Lane um, early in the quarter, but actually came back in the game and looked to be fine from there. Atlanta had some ball security issues as well with nine turnovers in the first 14 minutes. That's a rough thing to happen in this matchup when Philadelphia is already good defensively. You don't want to give them any free ones, and the Hawks were uh, pretty bad in ball security in the first half. They did improve that later on, which is good, but uh, the first you know quarter and a half or so was kind of an issue. And uh, Embiid still bludgeoned the Hawks more and more in the first half. I will say there was one stretch where John Collins had a great um, time going at him offensively. And John was very good in this game. Obviously, it's a tough matchup for him or anybody against a bead defensively, but offensively, he, he did get a lot of that back. There was one bad moment for Collins when he actually tried a windmill dunk on a fast break that was not successful. Fortunately, it didn't bite the Hawks because they got the rebound and scored there. And it was a 7-0 run by Atlanta to get back within 12. Um, there was a lot of back and forth, back and forth at the end of the second quarter. And ultimately, though, the Hawks still trailed by 17 at the halftime break, despite despite pushing things in a positive direction, including a stretch where Cam Reddish actually hit back-to-back floaters. The Hawks settled for too many floaters in this game, but the fact that Cam made two pretty good-looking, comfortable ones in a row there in the second quarter was actually pretty favorable because that's a, that's a shot he's going to have to have in his bag moving forward. So I thought I wanted to make note of that, even though the Hawks probably took, took, probably took too many of those shots. Him actually making a couple of those in a row was a big thing. Um, still, the second quarter was, was pretty solid overall. Um, just the first quarter kind of put them in such a uh, deficit that it was tough to climb out of that. But they actually did do it in the third in the third period. So we'll get into the third now. Um, you know that was the one dominant fortunate quarter for the Hawks. It was a forty to twenty two spread. If you watched this game, you would have certainly felt that in the moment. They flashed a little bit of zone defensively in the first few minutes. Philly had a terrible possession to to open their offensive uh, stuff in the second half, and then then they lost Collins completely for a three. Then Brett Brown called a timeout immediately under a minute into the the third quarter. That did not stop the bleeding, though, because Philadelphia was terrible. The Hawks were very good as well, so that was at least part of it, but Philly was really bad in that third quarter. Um, The Hawks had a 7-0 run to open the quarter, get back within 10. Then Collins later on scored seven points in a row for the Hawks with Embiid trying to avoid fouls. He was going right at him smartly and uh, kind of taking it to him around the rim. Trey Young then hit a deep, deep three, his first of the night, a 30-footer or so, and then they got, they got a leak-out dunk by by DeAndre Hunter, and suddenly the Hawks are down by six after going uh, down by 17 at the halftime break. After a timeout, Hunter hit another three, and it was a 22-9 overall run to open the third quarter by the Hawks to get back within all the way back within three. Um, it looked as if the Hawks were going to cool off a little bit there, with Philadelphia going back up by seven with about a minute to go in the third period. But with 58 seconds to go, there was a great sequence for the Hawks that included an 8-0 run to close the game to close that quarter. Five straight points from DeAndre Hunter, who was fantastic in the third quarter. And then after a stop, Troy Young checks back into the game with two seconds to go on offense. Because that was uh, he was resting, but that was a good time to get him back in the game. I was, I was good coaching from Lloyd Pierce. Young checks in. Somehow gets off a floater, you know, contested three that only he could make, and he he buries it at the buzzer, and the Hawks are suddenly go from they go from down seven with less than a minute to go in the third quarter to being up one at the end of the third. So a huge swing there. It was the Hawks' first lead of the game since five to three. So basically the, the entire game, and in the third quarter only. 
38 of Atlanta's 40 points came from Hunter, Collins, and Young. 16 for Hunter in the third, 12 for Collins, 10 for Young, and the Hawks shot 60% from the floor in that period. It was a fantastic run. Only second time this year that the Hawks scored 40 points in a third quarter, so it's normally kind of, a, one, of one of the weaker quarters for Atlanta this season. But uh, in this case, they kind of dominated, and uh, in the blink of an eye, they go from down 17 to up by one in great in great position. I will say, I checked the live betting at that point in time. Philadelphia was still a pretty comfortable favorite, and that was that kind of makes sense because they're playing at home, and the Hawks kind of had to expend a lot of energy. That proved to be the case in the fourth quarter. Um, I will say, it took a little bit it took a little bit of time for that to come unglued because the Hawks um, did throw one more counterpunch. Philly scored the first four, five points of the fourth quarter. To go up by four, the Hawks did come back and tie it, which was good on them, and they were only down um, by two. In fact, they tied it at 98-98 um, late, um, you know, relatively late in this in the process. But um, there was one big swing that I thought actually might favor Atlanta when uh, they got a big five-point swing. It cut it back to five, but then still a 92 overall run there from Philadelphia. The Hawks kept going for pump fakes, which was maddening. I was getting that on Twitter as well, and I, I, I certainly agree. The Hawks were uh, not disciplined defensively in the fourth quarter, but really – the issue in the fourth was much more the offense than the defense. It was it was definitely both sides of the floor, but offensively the offense completely just kind of fall, kind of fell apart. They scored ten points in the first eight minutes of the of the fourth quarter. They didn't score at all for about a three minute period from about six and a half minute mark and a three and a half minute mark. And it was a seventeen to four run overall by Philadelphia to put the game away at that point in time. Um, just a just a lot of bad settle floaters and mid-range attempts for the Hawks in that run. Um, they made some of those in the first half, which probably tricked them a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it was kind of just a confluence of events where the Hawks got some bad shots. Philadelphia just kept feeding and beat. He was dominating around the rim. And uh, in the end, once that 17-4 run happened, the Hawks were down by 13 points with like three months to go, and that's basically the end of the game. Um, the only suspense late was Joel Embiid getting his career high. He had 49. Uh, that speaks for itself. He was dominant in this game. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of leave it there for now. But, um, you know, overall, the Hawks did compete. I, I kind of made the joke on Twitter, but I'll say it again in sort of similar form here. I think some of the reaction was uh, too violent by Hawks fans that I saw on Twitter. This is a game that the Hawks are supposed to lose. I understand Ben Simmons is not playing, but Philadelphia is now 27-2 and at home. The Hawks did, you know, to their credit, sort of raise expectations a little bit in the third quarter with the way they played. But in the fourth, um, you could still get the Hawks as a very, very comfortable underdog in betting markets, which are uh, theoretically unbiased. So you can kind of bank on that. Obviously, the margin of 17 is a little bit more than you would think, and the Hawks did not play well in the first and fourth quarters of this game. If you want to be positive, you would focus on second and third quarters and say the Hawks played very well in that half of the game. The first quarter was a disaster, and then the fourth quarter, you know, it wasn't as bad as the scoreboard indicates, I don't think, but still they did not play well at all in the fourth. So there are positive and negatives as, as with most things with this Hawks season, but there you go on that. Um, big picture stuff. Offensively, it was pretty good for three quarters, and the fourth quarter was not so good. Still, end of the game with a 109 offensive rating. That is pretty solid against Philadelphia, who's a good defensive team. Obviously, without Simmons, they're not quite as good because Simmons is a very good defensive player, but still had him be. They were playing pretty big with Al Horford at the four. And uh, it's a pretty good defensive team overall, and you're on the road, so you can't be too upset about that 109 offensive rating overall, even though the fourth quarter was kind of a slog. Um, defensively, it was a mess, though. A 125 defensive rating is very bad against a Philadelphia offense that's, you know, I would say not terrible by any means, but they're certainly not a top 10 team offensively. They've been pretty shaky offensively this, se this season, and even with Simmons foibles, you'd rather have him on the floor than not, so... Um, 
and B, just kind of dominated them the entire game. It's a bad matchup in a lot of ways for Atlanta, particularly right now without Capella, and they did not want to go to Damian Jones. Um, you know, they didn't really have too much of a resistance for Embiid in this game, and that showed. It was not only him, but he was the biggest part of the reason why Philadelphia kind of did whatever they wanted to in this game. And a 125 defensive rating, you're going to lose, um, particularly against a team like Philadelphia that's going to stop you um, more often than not. So, yeah, there you go on that. You know, big picture wise, it wasn't a disaster performance, but we'll, we'll talk more about this game as we get going into the individual stuff on the podcast. But um, before we get to that, we have a word from our sponsors today. And they are the good folks at Indeed. Will you start your hiring process? You may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you made the right hire? Indeed is here to help millions of great candidates use Indeed every single day to help their to help find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you create a short list of applicants fast. Also, you can add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make you make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today in, in at indeed.com slash locked on. That's indeed.com slash locked on and get a free job sponsored upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Offered valid through March 31st, 2020. All right, and we're back with the individual portion of the podcast, and we'll uh, talk about everything here. A 10-man rotation for the Hawks in this game, but it was really only about an 8.5-man rotation. Vince Carter played six minutes. They were all in the first half. He did not play at all in the second half. Tremian Graham played very, very briefly after halftime. Neither of those guys made huge impacts. I will say Graham gave them pretty good minutes at times in the first half, but he's pretty limited and easy to scheme off of defensively, so there are positives and negatives there. The, the eight guys that played the uh, the most minutes here, we'll talk about those guys now. Jeff Teague, 18 minutes of play, 1-6 from the floor. He was pretty shaky, had four points, four rebounds, two assists in his 18 minutes. I thought Jeff was not a positive in this game. He's had some better games recently. This was not one of them. He was kind of exposed in a couple of different instances here. Nothing uh, terribly shocking about that. I thought he was a weakness relatively so in this game. Bruno Fernando played 20 minutes off the bench. A um, couple of nice moments for Bruno, including that above the, break, above the break three that I talked about earlier. 10 points, four rebounds. He gave pretty good intensity and good effort. I thought he played harder than he has at times this season. Um, obviously, there were some rookie, some rookie moments there, but they actually needed him um, size-wise, physicality-wise against Embiid. He got beaten up by Embiid, as everyone does, so no great shame in that, but I thought Bruno was uh, largely okay um, if you go by the normal bar for what he's going to be able to bring to you in this spot. Um, and then Cam Reddish, 22 minutes off the bench, 10 points, only one rebound and no assists. Uh, no defensive rebounds in this game for Cam, just the one offensive rebound, had two turnovers as well. Not his best work, I don't think, on either end of the floor, but particularly not offensively. He was 4-10 from the floor, which isn't terrible, but 0-4 on threes. He was 4 of 6 on twos, and um, yeah, that's not too bad. A couple of bad uh, floaters that he missed, but still, as I mentioned before, uh, good to see him kind of giving some confidence with, with that floater game. I'd rather, rather have him master that than uh, some of his wild uh, finishes, uh, at least finishing attempts at the rim and some of his mid-range jump shots. So we'll see how that fares in the future, but some nice flashes there. Defensively, he was okay, but wasn't wasn't necessarily at his best here. Uh, you know, still still the best guy the Hawks have in a lot of spots defensively on the wing, but there you go on that. Um, to the starting lineup, Kevin Herter was a weakness in this game. I thought he was pretty shaky. Um, you know, Herter has been rough now for about a week. Um, before the All-Star break, he was heating up a little bit. I thought he was playing the best basketball of his career at times in early February and late January, etc. He has not been good since the All-Star break. This game was not not good for, for Kevin. Uh, nine points, four assists. Did have a steal and a block. He's pretty active in some respects, but minus 24 and probably earned that, honestly. 
three of ten from the floor in 38 minutes, one of four from three. I uh, did have three offensive rebounds and was at least playing hard at times, but I was not playing uh, particularly well in this game. And the uh, box score reflects that, I think. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, same sort of thing. A lot of foul trouble, but they needed him to do more in this spot. Um, 14 minutes is because of foul trouble, but still he was not effective against him, uh, against a beat at all. And uh, right now he has to be better than that in this matchup. Um, obviously the Hawks can get away with playing Collins at center in a lot of matchups. And this one, though, Embiid is the rare guy, along with maybe Jokic and a couple of other guys in the league, that can really torch Collins as a center. And uh, Embiid did that to everyone in this game, not just Collins, not just not just Fernando, but Deadman, everybody. Um, and the Hawks needed more from from Dwayne in this spot. Um, you can't really do too much about that because you don't you don't have other options. He's still better than Jones and Fernando, but not not a good game for for Dwayne, including the foul stuff. And we'll go on from there. The three guys who did play well for Atlanta um, in, starting, in the starting five were uh, DeAndre Hunter. We'll go to him first. Um, 20, 22 points for DeAndre, seven rebounds. The third quarter was uh, most of that. I thought he was electric in the third quarter. Definitely some of his highs of, highest of highs this season. Was not terribly efficient shooting. Six of, six of 15 from the floor and one of six from three. That's a little bit of a black mark on this game, but got, got to the line 10 times. That's a very encouraging thing for DeAndre. Had seven rebounds as well. I thought he played very well overall. It wasn't like a perfect performance from him, but I thought it was definitely strongly above average for DeAndre and good to see him flashing a little bit. He's been very good since the All-Star break. Um, John Collins was excellent, I thought. I mean, obviously the Embiid stuff goes without saying. He cannot handle Embiid defensively. That's not a shot at Collins. It's just a size thing, and Embiid is you know one of the best players in the world when he's going like that. So uh, kind of goes without saying that he had, he, had a, he had a tough time against Joel defensively, but he, as I said before during the uh, earlier portion of the podcast, he got a lot of it back offensively. He went Adam beat a few times successfully around the rim. 21, 21 points, nine rebounds for John. He was effective, and I thought he was pretty, pretty solid. And then Trey Young, uh, 28 and 10 for him in uh, 37 minutes. He actually had seven rebounds as well. I thought Trey was not fantastic by his standards, which is kind of funny again because, you know, 28, 10, and 7, you think a guy played great. I thought he was just kind of okay. Um, it wasn't like he was bad, but he wasn't also um, terribly effective. I, I did think that defensively in the third quarter, he was really good by his standards. There were a couple of really nice moments for him competing in the post defensively, making nice, um, making nice reads and just kind of being a pesk out there. That's what he can do. And I think that was a pretty pretty evident in that little stretch. He was definitely helping the defense in that spot. And then offensively, he had his trademark, you know, big time swings and plays, including the of course the highlight of the night for Atlanta offensively at the end of the third quarter to take that lead. So um, still 28, 28, 28, 10 and seven is pretty good. But actually, only shot two of eleven on threes. That was probably um, what leads to some of his ineffe- his relative ineffectiveness by his standards. But again, very effective overall. And uh, he was eight of eleven on twos. That's pretty darn good. And the foul drawing is always always solid there for Trey. So. Um, again, he was not bad. I thought he was probably just an average-ish game for Young, but considering that his baseline is so high, he was still very, very effective at 28, 10, and 7. So, you know, again, my final takeaway from this game would just be the fact that the Hawks played pretty well for about two and a half quarters. They were really bad in the first, and they were really bad in about the last, you know, eight minutes of the fourth. And, you know, that's not a huge surprise. It was a game that the Hawks would have been nice to win it, obviously, if you're a Hawks fan. But I think Vegas is pretty instructive most of the time. And they were still about an, a, a nine-point nine underdog at tip-off here. So take that for what it's worth. The Hawks will be re- returning to action with a bunch of home games coming up now. 
Wednesday they'll be at home, then Friday, and then Saturday. So I will be in the arena quite a bit the rest of the week. Please subscribe to the podcast. I'm trying to uh, line up a couple guests right now for uh, current and future episodes. Um, hopefully you guys will join us for those. If you missed it last week, we had Ben Ladder, We had Jackson Frank. We'll have more from those guys hopefully in the future and also other guests uh, that I'll be lining up in the uh, relatively near future. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And if, at the very, very latest, we'll have a new show after the game on Wednesday, live from State Farm Arena. So stay tuned for all of that.